This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Where to begin? Six games last night. Let's give some love to the Boston Bruins. Haven't talked about them much. Six, four, and three. But watching last night, six rookies in the lineup. And as I'm preparing for the game on Wednesday, Rangers and Bruins, you start to see just a lot of injuries. Uh, Marshan didn't play last night because of a uh, injury. Uh, Krejci has been out of the lineup for them. Hugh Dobin has been out. Sarask has been asked to play. And there's just a lot of faces that even if the diehard hockey fan outside of Boston is probably not going to know a lot of the names. Corrali had a big goal last night. Schaller, you know. But there's quite a few names that you're probably not going to recognize too much as as you see this team play. Uh, Schwarz, uh, Bjork, uh, Louis DeBrusque's kid is playing and and, and having a good year for them. Uh, O'Gara, of course you know Charlie McAvoy in his rookie season. Uh, There's quite a few young players, six in all. I'm going to get a chance to talk to Charlie. Uh, They're going to skate at about 11.30 at Madison Square Garden tomorrow in preparation for their game at 8 o'clock and get a chance to talk to him. Uh, it'll air in the pregame on 10.50 ESPN tomorrow. The Knicks are going to be on 98.7 ESPN and just get his lay of the land. So when you really analyze this team, it's difficult to do it because there's just so many guys out. And I think they have to be pretty proud right now of where they are, still above NHL 500. Again, Postman's been hurt. Marshan's been hurt. You know, Krejci's on injured reserve. Uh, there's probably some other guys that I'm forgetting, too, and they're finding a way to put it together uh, and to play pretty well. And as for Minnesota, you know, it's just been a slog for them. We, we've talked about it many times before that this is a team that usually is chasing after goals, but 5-6-2, and two, nothing really special. I'm a big Bruce Boudreaux fan. I think he'll find a way to deter, turn it around, but that's a good win for the Boston Bruins, and I'm anxious to see them uh, on Wednesday. Uh, Leafs 9-7-2. They were very, very close to being a 500 team again. Uh, they took on the Golden Knights in a 4-3 win in a shootout, and the Leafs really had control of this game for a while at 3-1. Then Riley Smith and Derek England both score goals. For Smith, his came late in the second period. England scored about what, six minutes into the third to tie the game. They played a pretty interesting overtime, but then eventually they'd get to the shootout. Uh, and the big uh, goal ended up being for Mitch Marner, the first shot of over of the uh, shootout to give Toronto the victory. And we thought that this Eastern swing was going to expose the Vegas Golden Knights a bit, and and it seemed to do just that. Uh, They did get three points so far on this trip, but I did think it exposed them just a tad. They're still very much alive, still very good hockey team, You know, still sitting there with a 9-4-1 record, but they did certainly come back down to earth but did steal a point last night. Rangers with a 5-3 win over the Blue Jackets, and this was another really interesting game for the Rangers. They've won now four in a row, and it's all going back to that third period last week against the Vegas Golden Knights, actually a week from today. So what a difference a week makes as we sit on Tuesday going into that third period down 4-2. Rangers get booed off the ice. It looks like Elaine Vigneault might be coaching in his last period as Rangers head coach. They score four unanswered goals in that third period to win. They beat the best team in the NHL, the Tampa Bay Lightning, in Tampa in overtime. They beat the Panthers in overtime. Had a lot of fight there. And then they give the first two goals of the game against the Blue Jackets after playing a really good first period that went scoreless. And then before you even got to the five-minute mark of the second period, they were down 
two to nothing. And it looked like the same old Rangers at Madison Square Garden. And then they turned it on. And one of the major reasons they turned it on, the Blue Jackets started to take dumb penalties. Three offensive zone penalties in the third period. Rangers cashed in on all of them. They went three for five on the power play. They get an empty net goal from Grabner. He's got a two-goal uh, night. Shattenkirk gets a big power play goal. A three-assist night for Mika Zibanejad. First time he's ever done that in his NHL career. Another power play goal for Pavel Bushnevich. And Lundqvist plays solid. So the Rangers get a win against a divisional opponent, which has been something that's been kind of rare for this team this year. Uh, they've already lost to Pittsburgh. They've already lost to New Jersey. They already lost to the Columbus Blue Jackets earlier in the year. So now the Rangers have won four in a row. They got their sights set on Boston and Edmonton the rest of the week and see if they can't go on a major run here. Five on five needs to improve, but the power plays are coming and they're doing a great job. And Pavel Bushnevich, that's a guy circle. Keep an eye on him. Remember last year we got robbed of really seeing much of him in that November game against Edmonton. He was a late scratch because of the back injury. We didn't see him until later in the year. He's playing the fourth line. They're not sure where to put him. Now he's getting top-line minutes. He's getting power play minutes, and he's really clicking with Mika Zibanejad. And that's a nice win for the Rangers. We talked about them getting back to NHL 500, and that's where they are at 7-7-2. Seven, seven, Had a chance to talk to John Davis. Davidson in the second intermission and uh, didn't get a chance directly to talk to him about Columbus's interest in a center, but just sniffing around and talking to people around the Blue Jackets. They were very interested in trying to get either Torres or uh, Duchesne. There's just not a lot of centers out there for them to get. They desperately need a center. Cam Atkinson didn't play in this game. Sedlak didn't play in this game, so they're really banged up. Uh, with injury. Uh, Matt Calvert, who's been a really good player for them, can play shorthanded, get some big goals for them. He's hurt. It looks like Atkinson is going to play tonight against Nashville. Uh, but it was good talking to John Davidson. It was good reminiscing. He got a great ovation before the game. Rick Nash was honored for playing 1,000 games, and he got a gift from the Columbus Blue Jackets presented by the president, uh, John Davidson, and the warm applause that J.D. got. It's been uh, a dozen years since he has worked at MSG Television. So it's been a long time. It's been over a decade. But yet those fans at Madison Square Garden appreciated seeing J.D. again. Remember, he left uh, following the the 0506 season to work with the St. Louis Blues and then took over uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets and have done a very good job with them. So it was nice to see J.D. get some warm applause. I got a quick J.D. story, if you'll indulge me for a second. Um, 2005... I just get hired by the Rangers to do their pre and post on radio. Coming out of the lockout. And I'm doing the Michael K show on 9870 ESPN. And Michael, innocently enough, brings up homers in announcing in New York. And we were talking about how Dick Lynch is kind of a homer and Michael gets accused of being a homer and all that. And then Michael, just out of the blue, asks me, who do you think the biggest homer is in New York announcing? And I said, this is this is the quote. I said, he is the best at what he does, but you can make a case that John Davidson is a homer. You know, remember, that's when Dan Blackburn was living at his house, and he, he certainly was such a part of the organization, so entrenched in the organization, and he wore, wore his heart on his sleeve when he called Ranger games. But obviously he was working for NBC coming out of the lockout. He had always worked and been an announcer nationally with ESPN and basically ever a Fox and and he and he's, he was the best. I think he was the best color analyst there was, not just in hockey, but maybe even in sports. And I accentuated that in the conversation. Well, Bob Raceman, who writes a media column in the New York Daily News, 
asked J.D. what he thought about somebody who just got hired by Madison Square Garden to do the pre and the post, thought about me saying that he was the biggest homer in New York sports. Now, I'm sure I was misquoted, and I'm sure Bob probably didn't give him all of the details of how I praised J.D. before I said that and probably never played him the audio, just said, hey, J.D., this guy just went after you. And there's a big article about how the Rangers' new hire is going after one of the biggest names in the, in the, on the team. And J.D. had this great quote. He said, what would I care what a, a field goal kicker has to say, meaning Al Del Greco. If you remember Al Del Greco, Houston Oiler field goal kicker, uh, probably a little bit more relevant in 2005 than he would be in 2017. So he took a shot at me, and so I'm like, oh, I thought I was going to get in trouble, but nothing happened. MSG, Rangers never said anything to me. So fast forward at the end of that year, Carolina is playing Edmonton in the Stanley Cup Final, and I was covering it for the, the show I did, NHL Live, and I was on the road in Carolina with the NHL radio crew, and if you remember, Sam Rosen was doing the play-by-play. Of course, Sam and J.D. were partners forever on MSG Television, and we went out to a steakhouse for dinner in Carolina, in Raleigh, and I asked Sam, I said, Sam, I told Sam the story, and I said, you know, what should I do? Should I talk to J.D. about it? He says, he's really mad at you. This is no joke. He's mad, (laughs) so I figured I better keep my distance. We come back after Game 7 from Carolina, and J.D. is waiting for his luggage, as I am in in Newark, and I didn't have the courage to say anything to him. And then he took the job with St. Louis, and he was gone, and and that was it. And then in 2008, I get the job uh, doing play-by-play, backing up Kenny Albert, and I must have seen J.D. 50 times since then. It seems like I'm always doing games in Columbus. So I interviewed him last night, and I just I don't have the courage to do it. I don't have to to ask him any perfectly nice to me, asked me how my family was doing. So either he completely forgot about it, meant it as a joke to begin with, or has gotten over it. I'm not sure what it is. And everybody I, everybody I talk to says, you got to bring it up to him. But I just feel funny about it because it's 12 years later, and I just and I don't have the heart to hear, have him say that he's still upset about it or have the heart to hear him say, I don't remember that. But uh, it was just interesting interviewing him, and I wasn't going to bring it up on the air. And then we get off the air, I throw to commercial, he's already gone. I've been encouraged that the next time I get a chance to sit down with him to bring it up to just see how it is. But it's been 12 years, and I've seen him 50 times since then, and I still haven't got mustered up the courage to, to ask him if it's still an issue. Uh, the Capitals win 3-2. to two. Ovechkin uh, gets a goal that ties the game up for Ovechkin. It's his 12th goal. John Carlson wins it in overtime. But Clayton Keller continues to impress. He's got the inside track now for the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. Uh, the one positive around the Coyotes and just their miserable record record is the fact that Keller has 11 goals to lead all rookies. So the Coyotes have had a miserable season at 12 uh, at 2-12 and 2, but he has been a nice story and of course the Coyotes are going to be playing coming up in Philadelphia in short order. They're going to be in Pittsburgh tonight. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit and then eventually the Coyotes take on the St. Louis Blues and I'm trying to see when they will be in Philadelphia, but of course Rick Tockett uh, someone part of the Philadelphia organization for a long time. So we'll see uh, what, what, what goes on with that. Actually, now that I think about it, 
they were in Philadelphia and beat Philadelphia. That was their first win of the year against Philadelphia. So he will go back to Pittsburgh, excuse me, uh, tonight. Um, talk its old stomping grounds, too. So we'll see uh, if the Coyotes can muster something. Uh, we'll get into that uh, a little bit later on in the podcast. Uh, Jets stay hot, 8-3-3 and with a 4-1 win over the Dallas Stars. Dallas still just a game above 500, but a little bit disappointed in them. But the story around Winnipeg, there's so much discussion about Patrick Line, and he did pick up his seventh goal of the season. But Mark Shifley is really starting to come into his own. And you got a nice little battle there in Winnipeg. Uh, is it Line A? Is it Shifley? Shifley's obviously got a couple of years on Line A, but those are two good young players. And Shifley with a couple of goals last night. Uh, he now has nine on the season. Jamie Benn uh, getting the goal, no surprise. It's the Ben line with Radulov and Sagan that produces the offense. Sagan did not get an assist. Klingberg did, the defenseman. But uh, too top-heavy, uh, the Dallas Stars, as far as I'm concerned. If that top line doesn't score or score enough, they don't have much of a chance. Nice comeback for the Vancouver Canucks, but it falls short as Detroit wins that game 3-2. Detroit jumped out to a 2 to nothing lead. And then in the third period, Daniel Sedin gets his third. Uh, Michael Delzato gets his first of the year. So halfway through the third period, they tie it up at two. But a late goal, Tomas Tatar scores with 18.46 into the third period to break the 2-2 tie. So that's a heartbreaker for Vancouver. Uh, they're a minute and a half away from at least getting a point when they were down 2 nothing in the game. Uh, but unfortunately for Vancouver, uh, another tough loss for them. They got shut up by the Devils not too long ago. So maybe Vancouver coming back down to earth just a little bit. But 7-5-2, and two, they should be proud. And Detroit, I brought this up before. I thought this was going to be the worst team in the National Hockey League. League, maybe one, the, definitely the worst team in the Eastern Conference, and they're playing above 500 at 8-7-1. I'll get a chance to see them the day after Thanksgiving. I'm looking forward to that. All right, tonight, Capitals, Sabres. Capitals beginning to warm up a little bit. They go to Buffalo. I mean, that should be a chance for the Capitals to get their ninth win. Devils come back from earning three points in the three-game Western Canadian trip. Uh, Brian Boyle gets to play his first game at home, coming back from the cancer treatment. St. Louis 11-3-1 in the conversation as the best team in the NHL. Edmonton Oilers come stumbling in to the Coliseum. 4-8-1 for the Edmonton Oilers. Just getting shut out in Detroit by the Red Wings. So in their middle of this eastern swing, they'll be at Madison Square Garden on Saturday. And the Islanders are one team that people are not talking about enough. Bailey was one of the three stars of the week. Tavares is having a monster season. Uh, Barzell is getting into the conversation for the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. Islanders 8-5-1, and one, a really good story nobody's talking about. Again, Coyotes and Penguins from Pittsburgh. Hurricanes now under 500-4, They've been a bit of a disappointment going up against another disappointment in the Panthers at 4-7-2. And, and seeing the Panthers on Saturday... And I was talking about this with Steve Goldstein, their television play-by-play voice. There's a lot of talent there. You look at their blue line. Uh, I'm a big fan of Pezik. I like Yandel as an offensive player. You take a look at Trocek. You take a look at Barkov. There's a lot of talent there. And maybe now that Roberto Luongo has returned, they can kind of get the things going there because they've just been decimated by injury, just poor play, really, by the goaltending. Reimer and Nieme weren't good. Luongo was hurt with that injured hand. He missed six games, and boy, you really saw that goaltending get exposed when Luongo was hurt. But the Panthers should be better. And with a healthy Luongo, we'll see. And again, Hurricanes haven't played a lot of games. They played a lot of road games. We'll see if the Hurricanes can gain some traction. Second to back-to-backs for the Blue Jackets. They'll take on the Predators. Watching the Blue Jackets, it's good to get Boone Jenner back, get Cam Atkinson back tonight. Uh, that team, 
Very surprised to give up three power play goals. They've been so good at killing penalties uh, so far this year. Uh, but uh, we'll see when they get those guys back. Sedlak is really important to them, a Calvert. So they're banged up, and it seems like the Blue Jackets are always hurt. But there's a lot of talent there, and that's a very good hockey team. Bobrovsky played a great first 40 minutes, and I thought he kind of got left out the dry there in the third period, especially shorthanded. Uh, Canadians starting to uh, turn the corner at 6-8-1. and one. Big shutout victory over... Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks on Sunday. We'll see what the situation is with Carey Price. Golden Knights continuing this Eastern swing. We'll see how they do playing in Montreal for the first time. Canucks coming off the tough loss will be in Calgary to take on the Flames. Got a chance to see the Flames over the weekend against the Devils. And I got to tell you, Smith is the difference. I mean, the Flames are really not overly impressive to me. But they are in every game because Smith has just been terrific. And that's the biggest difference between the Calgary Flames in the last couple of years when they were trying to find a goaltender and now finding Smith. He may not win every single night, but he gives them certainly a chance to win every night. And the Kings rolling at 10-2-2 will be in Anaheim to take on the Ducks. That should be a lot of fun. So we got an NBC Sportsnet doubleheader tonight with the Capitals and Sabres in the first game and the Kings and the Ducks in the second game. So let's hear from you. Uh, a lot of people want to chime in on what's going on here in the National Hockey League, and it's always fun to talk to you at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. So let's uh, line up the tweets here uh, and get your thoughts on what's going on in the NHL for you. Uh, Forever TH says, are the Leafs going to put a full 60 minutes together? Glad they won, but still seem to be lagging effort at points. Uh, I just think it's a team that's got really no blue line defensively to speak of. I mean, this is a wide-open league, but you need a shutdown guy. And they, all their defensemen seem to pinch. All, everybody's thinking offense. I think Anderson's actually played better than I thought he was going to play. So when you look at their constant 60 minutes, I, I just think that's a tough way to play. You'd like to clamp down a little bit, give Babcock a bit of a chance. But somebody's going to have to emerge there as a shutdown guy, whether it's a, whether it's a line, whether it's a defensive pairing. There's got to have to be somebody that you could put on the ice to kind of stabilize things. And I think the, the, that's exactly what they're looking for there in Toronto. Sam Diaz says, first 10 games for the Rangers on the power play, 19.5% and 77.7% on the kill, 2-6-2. Two, two. The last six games, 33.3% on the power play, 88.2% on the kill, 5-1. and one. Special teams, it's a special teams league. We're seeing all the penalties being called with the slashing. Offense is up. Rangers, I've always, listen, 19.5% is not bad on the power play, but they've just gotten crazy now. But the penalty kill needs to be better, and it has been better. The Rangers are beginning to round out and shape a little bit, so I think that you're starting to see signs where now they've got four lines. Bunievis has been out the last couple of games because of the flu, but they've had some... Uh, belief in Paul Carey to play that fourth line center position had a chance to talk to him on Saturday about how difficult it is to play center and wing and he was really good talking to about that kind of conversation seriously the Rangers are starting around in the shape a little bit here there's still a lot of work to be done but after a one and five start for this team to be seven seven and two tells you that they're in pretty good shape uh Brian says uh, 51 played only seven minutes last night for the Rangers. What is AV's beef? And he's talking about David Dayarnay. Here's the latest with Dayarnay. He's especially against the Blue Jackets, right? The Blue Jackets are a big, heavy team, very physical team. I just wonder with Dayarnay being on a smallish side, whether he just kind of gets lost. Uh, he was supposed to be a healthy scratch on Saturday, but then when Nieves got the flu, it forced Dayarnay to play. I have a feeling that there's something bothering Dayarnay. Uh, and there's certain matchups where I think he can get exposed. Last night, I think, was one of them. 
I think because of the Nieves injury, uh, because of the flu, they haven't been able to give Darnay some maintenance. I don't know that for a fact. Nobody has told me that. I just get this feeling, I get this sense that David Darnay is not at 100%. Kevin wants to know, who is the best backup goaltender? Wow, that is a fabulous question. God, i got to think about that. I wish I had read that ahead of time to give some thoughts. I think Kincaid has been very good for um, for New Jersey. I think Condon is very good for the Senators. you got situation with the Islanders. Is Grice Halak, who is the number one? Um, Neuverth has been good. God, it's a great question. Um, when you look at Darling and Ward, who's the number one there? Uh, that's a really interesting question. Who is the best backup goaltender? If you're telling me Mason is the number one in Winnipeg, Hollabuck's going to be in that conversation. Oh, it's a great question. Um, Soros, I think, is good uh, in Nashville. Obviously, you've got... Um, a pretty good uh, situation as far as the goaltending in Nashville is con- uh, excuse me in Dallas is concerned where you've got Kerry Lettinen who has been a number 1 in the past and now is backing up uh the situation there with Bishop great question that's a very good question and um there's a lot of really good ones but nobody really jumps out to me without looking at the statistics and it's hard to just off the top of your head just firing off statistics for backup goaltenders um the situation in Anaheim is great too with Gibson uh and Ryan Miller so that's a good question uh, I'll try to get back to you with a more definitive answer but I thought that was interesting we were talking about Mount Rushmore of the National Hockey League yesterday on the podcast and with EJ Raddick and we pretty much thought unanimously that if there's four, Mount Rushmore, that's four, uh, with the four presidents in Mount Rushmore and with the four NHL players, that it has to be Gretzky, Howe, and Orr. So really the question is, who is the fourth one? Uh, Guy says, uh, let's see, uh, NHL Mount Rushmore, he's got nine, ninety-nine, and four. I'm good with that. Of course, he's talking about Gordie Howe. Goalie needs to be there as much as it pains me, Brodeur. I mean, because you look at the three, you got two forwards in Gretzky and Howe, and then you've got the defenseman in Orr. I don't think you have to put a goaltender. Uh, does a goaltender have to be one of the four best players in the National Hockey League? Is it Brodeur? Is it Patrick Waugh? Waugh won more Stanley Cups. Waugh beat Brodeur head-to-head in 2001. Uh, Mario Lemieux was Eric uh, was um, EJ's choice. But here here's the way I look at it. Wayne had no peer. Right, Wayne's the greatest hockey player of all time, and then some people say it's Bobby Orr. All right, so that covers Orr as being the greatest defenseman without a peer. The longevity and the statistics of Gordie Howe has to put him there, and certainly when he played in the 40s and 50s and 60s, he had no peer. So, who should be the fourth guy? I mentioned it yesterday. I'm really thinking Maurice Richard. Now, the reason I go with the Rocket is this. He was the first player to score 50 goals in 50 games. Remember, when he scored 50 and 50, it was a 50-game season, so it was unheard of when he did it. He's considered the greatest player in Montreal Canadiens history, and the Canadians are considered the greatest team in NHL history. So for those two reasons, I think I put the Rocket Richard as my fourth guy. And, of course, you are more then welcome to chime in as well at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. Jake says, hi, Don. Who do you think will have a bigger impact on their new team? Duchesne in Ottawa, Tourists in Nashville. 
Wow, because I think Duchesne's a good fit because there's a lot of really good offensive players already on the Ottawa Senators to accentuate what I think is a very good team. Nashville needs the offense. I have a feeling Tourist is going to make more of an impact in Nashville than Duchesne in Ottawa. As EJ said yesterday, as good as Duchesne is as a center, he might be a better winger. So I'm going to say, Jake, I'm going to go with Tourist in Nashville. Jordan says, after Keith and Seabrook, the Hawks' D isn't much to talk about. Do they need to make a move, concerned Hawks fan? We were talking about how difficult it is to find centers. It's almost impossible to find a defenseman. And Jordan, look at all the great defensemen that they've lost because of because of the salary cap situations. You you had Jomerson, you had Oduya, you had Bufflin. I mean, you had so many great defensemen that you had to let go. You have two of the best defensemen in the NHL already. Finding another defenseman is difficult to do. Now, the one thing the Blackhawks have is they've got their they've got their two. So you're looking for a three or four defenseman. You might be able to find that. I have a feeling that Chicago will try to land that at the deadline, but it's hard to do. I like this Blackhawks team. I do. Crawford's very good. Um, they're going to be fine, and I think. They got exposed a little bit because they've lost some defensemen on the back end, but there's some young kids that are starting to mature. I wouldn't be overly concerned about that. Uh, Michael wants to know, are the Golden Knights for real? Well, certainly they've come back to earth. Interesting game tonight in Montreal, but so far on this on this Eastern swing, lost to the Islanders, blew a lead against the Rangers, lost to the Boston Bruins. Uh, they beat the Ottawa Senators for their only win, lost last night in the shootout, and now we'll see what they can do against the Montreal Canadiens. And Zach says, Shattenkirk isn't great in his own end. How much slides because he producing offensively, D-men should be able to play good D. Here's the thing, Zach. This is who he is. I mean, if you, if the Rangers really believed that he was going to play better defensively, then they didn't pay attention in St. Louis and Washington. This is an offensive player. Now the question becomes, can he be serviceable on the blue line? That's one of the reasons why they took him off the top pairing is because top pairing guys have to play against studs, and you feel good about um, what, what – um, Ryan McDonough can do there, but that Shattenkirk's going to get exposed. So you've seen Smith there. You've seen uh, now they're uh, getting a chance to play with Holden. I mean, those guys don't have to worry about as much offensively, and they can concentrate it on D. You want Shattenkirk to be able to play with a shutdown guy, but you also want to make sure that he's on the ice when he's not going up against other shutdown guys. So it becomes a matchups game. He is producing. He is the best offensive defenseman that they've had since Brian Leach. He's a point man on the power play, and you're seeing that come together. So you live with the deficiencies. The problem is going to be in the playoffs when you're going to want him on the ice to get a goal, but you don't want him to get exposed defensively either. Um, he will give you goals, but he will also create goals for the other team. So you want to play goal prevention in the playoffs, and that might mean that Shattenkirk's going to have to sit, but you're also going to want goals too. You don't want to have all this offensive ability just to be able to produce the few times that you're shorthanded or um, uh, on the power play when the other team is shorthanded. I think they just need to get him to be a serviceable defenseman. He's not going to be a shutdown guy. So he's going to be an offensive guy. And to answer your question, Zach, if he continues to produce this way offensively, especially on the power play, they'll live with it. But they want to get him to a point where he is a little bit more serviceable on the back end. And I think they can get there with this coaching staff and work with it. I've seen them work with guys before. But he is a special case because there are guys that have had flashes offensively and you didn't live with their deficiencies defensively because those flashes weren't long enough as a sustainable, this is a special case. This guy can flat-out score. 
So he's going to get his ice time. So now they just got to get it to a level where if a shutdown guy's an eight or a nine, get Shattenkirk to a five. And if you do that, you're going to be more than happy with Kevin Shattenkirk on the New York Rangers. All right, lots of games tonight. We'll dive tomorrow deeper into these games. More from you at at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. If you can come up with the fourth guy on the Mount Rushmore, is it Maurice Bouchard? Is it a goaltender? Is it Mario Lemieux? Want to hear from you at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Back with you again tomorrow. This was the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.